I'm really pumped about this morning. I really sense that God has got so much more. In fact, I was during worship, I just felt like God was just impressing on my heart. It's like, do you believe that there's more? Do we come to church and go, you know what? I get to encounter God and receive something that I can't get anywhere else. And I was like, you know, I think this is an immense privilege and an immense opportunity for each and every single one of us. But according to your faith, be it unto you. If your faith is, I only want toe-deep Christianity, you're going to get stinking toe-deep Christianity. And you know what? History has told us that shallow Christianity is the worst. It hurts people. You know what Christianity gives life? Fully immersed Christianity. When people are fully immersed in the presence of God, they fully understand what the Word of God is all about, God's plans and His grace and His purposes, that's when people come alive. So let me tell you that the Bible also tells us that if you are lukewarm, God spits you out. And He vomits you out. We did this study a long time ago, uh, not, not that long ago, but th- that verse, by the way, is a verse. This is not just Nate telling you stuff. It was in Revelation, and God was speaking to one of the churches. And um, apparently in that location, there was this lukewarm water that flew, uh, flew, that flowed from the stream that if people drank from, there was some quality in this lukewarm water that would literally make people vomit. That was what was seemingly happening in that geographical location. And God says to that church that knows about this lukewarm water that if you are lukewarm, this is what you are like to me. The fact that God would call you disgusting enough to vomit you out is pretty harsh. But at the same time, what is he saying? I don't want you lukewarm because I want to have you with me. So catch a hold of what's going on. And today is going to be a lot about that. We're in our second week of uh, talking about rest. And we spoke last week about how we have to choose the right well to go to. We can come to the well of Jesus that has fresh water, fresh life. Or we can go to other wells. I gave the specific example of the well of control that I have fought with and continue to fight with. I like the well of control because it makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel uh, uh, less afraid of what's going on because I get to be in charge of what's going on. Except that the well of control only gives us an illusion of being filled up, but really it is draining us. It is causing frustration and stress and is causing us to be uh, uh, slowly emptied of life and so we need to come to the right well today i want to talk about now that we've come to the right well what do we do because you can lead a donkey to the water but you can't make it drink yes i am a donkey and sometimes i come to the well and i'm like and and i'm the one that suffers for it and so today i want to talk to you about drinking from the well i'm going to give you four steps and these steps aren't magical They're actually quite simple. It's probably one of the simpler messages that I'm putting together. And then from there, we're going to do something practical together as a church. But these four steps, they are simple because God uses the analogy of drinking water. How many of you know that drinking water is not that hard? My son, yes, he took a few tries. You know, we had to give the right amount. If it's a full cup, it's like, whoop. 
and he has to learn how to drink that full cup. But you know, he's already graduated. No, he still uses a bit of a sippy bottle. Uh, but 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 drinking water is a natural thing to us. Drinking from God's well is supposed to be a natural thing to us. But sometimes we don't do it because we've forgotten to come to the well and to actually drink. And so these four steps are simple, but they are actually extremely important for your health, for your growth, for your well-being. And so we're going to go into it. Ready? Yes. Step step one. (laughs) Step one. Everyone say step one. Come back. Come back to me. Step one is to enter God's presence. Enter God's presence. It's nice and simple, right? See, one of my favorite verses in the Bible comes from Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 22, and it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, thank you, Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have such a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. There's a lot of picture from the Old Testament in this particular passage. It talks about the tabernacle. It talks about where God's presence is, the most holy place. It talks about how you previously were not able to enter into this most holy place, but you need to accept through certain rituals and ceremonies that needed to be conducted, which Jesus has fulfilled. That's what this is talking about. And, and, and this is a really important verse for me because when I was growing up, the first part of God's holiness was emphasized in my life. God is holy and we are not. God has this purity, this, this amazing set-apartness that I don't have. And the Bible does show us that the holiness of God is not something to trifle with. It's not something that you play around or muck around with. God is holy. And if you muck muck around with God's holiness, you suffer the consequences, which many times in the Bible is death. And that was emphasized when I was growing up. God is holy. If you want to enter His presence, make sure that you're right with Him. Make sure that you apologize and repent of every possible sin that you could possibly have done. I remember thinking that, oh man, what if I forgot a sin and then I come into God's presence? Am I going to die? I remember as a child coming into God's presence and going like, uh, I don't know how far I want to go in because what if I'm not right enough with God? And that is a part of our Bible, but the, that is to emphasize the beauty and the amazing work that God has done so that we don't have to enter His presence with fear and trepidation, but that we can have full confidence. And so when I discovered this verse, I was like, yeah, why do I come to His presence with fear? Why am I worried about whether God will accept me or not? Do you know when I carry that kind of attitude, I'm saying, Jesus, your sacrifice was pretty cool, but it's not enough to cover my sin. When I am entering God's presence with fear, I am saying, I know that you died for me, but I'm not sure if it's enough to bring me into your family, into your presence. And so I went, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to have confidence in entering God's presence. 
How do you have confidence in entering God's presence? What does that look like to you? Think about that. Do you enter God's presence with confidence? Is that something that you, like, you know, when my son sees me, and this week we were at conferences, Beck spoke about, and every time, uh, because of that delay, whenever I saw him, his face would light up. And he would run to me, and he would do his little laugh, and he would do his funny run that makes me so full of joy. I love that my son is confident to come to dad. And I wonder if God's in the same place where he's like, when you have confidence and you come to me with confidence, I love that you know that I love you. And that's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing that we need to hold on to. But when I look at this verse, there's something else that I notice. The author of Hebrews writes, Therefore let us enter his presence with confidence and let us draw near. The confidence that we have in God is not the same as drawing near. And I think that's something that we might have lost a little bit in our church culture. That we talk about grace, we speak about the grace of God. That is this beautiful, amazing thing. Most of us uh, know that God loves us deeply, but do we know that drawing close to Him is not the same as having a confidence in Him? You know, when Beck and I got married, the whole point of that wedding ceremony was to give a commitment to one another. It was a deep covenantal agreement that we are going to be committed to one another till death do us part. That is what marriage is meant to be. However, if after this moment of commitment to one another, does that mean that we literally are already intimate and bonded together every single day of our lives? We still have to work on the relationship. I have confidence in the relationship, but it's not the same as drawing in to build a relationship. I can have confidence in God, but that doesn't mean that I've built an intimacy in the relationship. And there is this thing that is going on in our culture, and I think that's part of it, that we don't understand the commitment that is required for intimacy. We don't understand the the, the confidence that is required for commitment that brings about an intimacy if you understand what this is all about. Our culture tells us that that you know you can have sex before marriage, when it's saying you don't need the commitment in order to have the intimacy. And so, so many of us don't understand that the commitment is to bring about an intimacy. And so when I understand that Christ has died for me to commit to me, that is meant to lead to intimacy. The intimacy is not that Christ died for you. That is the commitment that leads to the intimacy. So you might have confidence but have you drawn close? You might have this, I know that God loves me. When was the last time you drew into His presence? When was the last time you actually drew close and were in this place knowing that, oh wow, I get to have this relationship with the Most High. So I said it's simple, but at the same time, it's a bit of a heart check. Because we carry our label of Christian, but that doesn't mean anything. Some people carry the label of married, and it doesn't mean anything. I want my label of Christian to mean that I've got this deep, intimate, 
ongoing, daily relationship with the Most High. And in the terms of rest, you can come to God, come to me all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. And we can know that, but we're not doing it. And so we are restless, going around searching because we might have the confidence, but we are not drawing near. So how do we actually draw near? I think, again, using the marriage analogy, there are many ways for us to draw near to God. Beck and I, there are certain things that we individually like to do. Uh, there's an interest that we have. Um, and, and so we do those things quite a lot, but we mix up our dating life. We do different things. We go to different places. Why? Because that variety keeps the relationship interesting, right? If we always go to the same restaurant or the same cafe, have the same conversations and do the same things, it's, after a while, it's stale, but sometimes in our Christian walk, in our intimacy with God, we draw near to God in the same old way all the time. What about if we mix it up a little bit? And so here are some different ways, right? Worship. Songs of worship, what we just did. That was, that's a great way to enter into God's presence. The Bible tells us to enter His courts with thanks, sorry, His gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. Enter His courts with praise. There is something about gratitude that draws us in the presence of God. So the first thing, if you walk with God, your intimacy with God, your drawing near to God is always bringing your, 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 your task list to God first and foremost. Maybe mix it up. Maybe go, I'm going to thank God before I ask for anything. I'm going to praise God from the bottom of my heart because of all that He has already done rather than come to Him and going like, hey, genie God, I need a little bit more. Yeah, so let's worship. Let's, let's read the Word. Let's actually read our Bibles. We need to read our Bibles. Why? Because it is the living Word of God. It is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to do crazy things in our life if we let it. And I was listening to this podcast this week, and this person explained that some of us don't know how to read our Bibles because uh, uh, we think that uh, uh, after we open the Bible and we read it, we're supposed to become sages or gurus or, or some kind of, uh, uh, I don't know, pastor. <laughs> we, we think, oh, I'm not that person, so when I read the Bible, it's not gonna, I don't get the same depth of revelation. That's fine. Just keep reading it. Because I love this uh, quote that I can't remember who it's from, but the Bible reads us as much as we read it. When we open the Word of God and we keep opening the Word of God, we are entering into the story of God. And the story of God is writing us into the story, not into literal Bible, but into His story of redemption and His plan on earth. When I stop reading the Bible, I'm saying, I know enough. I say, I don't need what God is doing. I'm ready to do my own thing. That's what we're saying. We need to read the Bible. It is the one thing that God has given us that brings a, a, a real objective surety in our life. I meet so many kooky Christians that say they don't read the Bible, but they can hear from God for themselves. It's like, so you're saying that the tradition of thousands of years of people studying the written word is all useless to you? That you somehow have an upgraded antenna. Maybe you've had three vaccine shots so that you can hear from God better than any other person on the face of history. That is terrible to think that the Word of God 
is less important than the voice of God because the written word of God is the voice of God for my lives. I've met Christians. I've met pastors who say they've heard from God that in ways that are in opposition to the word of God. And they can still with full confidence, God told me. God didn't tell you. It's not in the word of God. You want to draw near? Open and read this book that he has given to us. I really feel like that's really important. And over the next year, we're going to get deeper into the word of God. I'm going to do more about how to read and, and getting an accountability around it because I don't want our church to be illiterate about the very word of God. It's so, so important. We can pray. That's another thing. We can speak to God. That honestly is a discipline that I lack. I find it hard. I prefer singing songs of worship. I prefer reading the Word of God than, than having a time set aside just to be talking to God. But I'm learning how to just put it into my everyday life. I'm in the shower, I can pray. I'm driving, I can pray. I'm just remembering that speaking to God is as important as speaking to any other person that's important in my life. But I want to highlight something. I already highlight a bunch of stuff. But I want to highlight something that I think we don't understand very well in our individualistic culture. In this very same Hebrews passage, they were reading about the confidence and drawing near. The very next verse, this is what it says. So we just read 19 to 22, now I'm going to read 23. It says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. Other, passage, uh, other translation says, not neglecting the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Do you know that for this author, when it says draw near to God, the very next thing that he thought about is, so let's meet together. Why do we think that my faith is individual? It's not. It's not. No, it, it is to the extent that, yes, God wants to have a true one-on-one relationship with you. But the Bible always describes this corporateness. And we draw near to God when we meet together. You want to draw near to God? Yes, read your Bible. Yes, pray. Yes, worship in your time. Do all of those things individually, but... Do not neglect the gathering together. Don't. Don't put that aside. And I think some of us don't see that as restful or drawing to God's presence because there are all these things that we do when we come together that is service to other people. And so we see that as pouring out instead of receiving, right? But that's not how God's economy works. God's economy is this amazing thing that when we are serving, we are also receiving. And sometimes I wonder whether we stop ourselves from being full after a Sunday morning because we are in service mode, but we forget to put on that receiving mode. Yes, I might be physically tired, but there's something inside of me that is leaping for joy. This is something over the last few days at a conference, at our pastor's conference for our state, 
I'm on the state executive, which means that I'm ready to serve at a drop of a hat. I was doing lots of stuff, but I had this message already prepped. And I went in my, into this place, the gathering with all these wonderful pastors. I'm going, I went, God, I want to receive something as well. And you know what? I was tired because nights were late. But there was something inside of me that was recharged, that was refreshed, that was activated because I was in God's presence while serving others. In fact, it was one of those moments of service that God really spoke to me and it was like, wow. So are you ready to receive? Are you ready to draw near to God? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there my presence is. God's presence is here. God's presence is here. Are you at the well just wondering how to get the water out or are you actually already drinking? I find it interesting that many people would choose to exhaust themselves with all the things that we need to do. Don't hear me wrong. I know that we need, we need to Look after our families, look after our marriages, you need to work, we need to study, we need all of those things. But we need to gather with God's people. We need. No, 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 it's not. A, and that's where I think I've done a disservice to this church by trying to be gracious to people that have got other pursuits. But I really feel like I can't do that in good conscience anymore. The gathering of God's people is where God's presence is. Your one-on-one -on -one time with God is important, but as important as that is getting together, looking each other in the face, encouraging and lifting one another up. Some of you are missing the encouragement to lift your faith to another level because the encouragement doesn't come from your personal time with God. It comes from being with the body of Christ. And so don't hear me as condemning you if you're not here. But let me ask you, if your priorities are not God-centered, God-first, biblical, how do you know you're doing it right? I know what I'm doing is in accordance with God's will as best as I have ascertained. I have searched the scriptures. I've done that work. You do that work if you want to have a less than regular meeting with God and his people. I'm just going to put that out there. How do you know that that's okay? I know what I'm doing is okay because it's founded in the anchor for my life, which is God's word. If you want to debate with me, let's do it. I don't lose. Not often. I know that might have sounded a little bit dif difficult for you, if it's difficult for you, are you at the well of control? Sometimes we struggle with the things that God asks of us because we're still wanting to drink from the well of control in that area for our lives. So I need you, God, more than I ever have before. And if that includes being in God's presence, I love new Christians that have just met God and everything that the church puts on, they're there. Maybe we can learn from them. They've gone, you know, I've, I've done life without God. And now that I've found life with God, I'm going to be wherever God is. So where are they? At every church meeting. 
I think we can learn from that. All right, the next thing, got to keep going. Second thing is pretty easy. It's to ask. So we enter God's presence. Say, enter God's presence. And then we ask. Matthew 7, 7 to 8 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened. Now Jesus was saying this specifically about giving the Holy Spirit. But guess what? The Holy Spirit is life. That's how we get life. Through the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. And so I think asking is really important. But what do we ask for? This week, I have had this challenged for me. Because I think quite often we think us, and we think about all the things that we are wanting, etc., etc., or needing, or we think that we need. But this week, I felt God really asking me to go deeper in my ask. If I look past all the layers on the outside, and I go right deep into the inside, what is it that I really, really need from God? Uh, great, I ask. For me this week, as I was kind of like, we had an amazing conference and, and I, I was at this, uh, the first session and it was really kind of like God's presence was there. And there was something dissatisfied in my heart. And I was kind of asked, I was going, what is going on? I'm in God's presence, but I don't really know what to ask. And then as I looked around, I saw people that were, like receiving from God in a way that was profound and significant and their love and their humility and their desire for the things of God. And I discovered for me, as I looked at that, I went, I want to want you, God. I want to want you. And that was a moment for me. It was like, you know, with all these things that go on, it's like, if we want to drink from the well, let's ask for the water from the well. And I was in that moment, I went, I want to want you. And suddenly something just flooded in my heart and in my soul. It was like God said, I hear you. You see, asking requires humility. I had to admit to myself, I've not desired God as much as I used to. And that was difficult for me to acknowledge but as I acknowledge and asked in humility and weakness, God responded. There was another moment, a very profound moment. I got uh, one of my um, tasks this week was to interview this wonderful couple who were missionaries in Pakistan for over 30 years. And I got to know them over the first couple of days. The interview was on the, on the final day of conference. And... And um, I went up on stage with them and I introduced them and I already had these questions um, written down for me. I just had to word it in a way that was natural sounding for this um, interview um, that was kind of not coming from someone else's mouth. Was, you get what I mean? My job was easy. I wasn't asking anything profound. But as I sat next to this couple and they shared about a simplicity but such a depth and significance of faith. I sat there and what was, it still makes me emotional because the stark contrast of their faith to mine made me feel so inadequate. 
to share the stage with this couple. And so I sat there and the interview was done and, and, and I said, this is not on the run sheet, but can I ask that you pray for us? Because we need what you have. And that's all. I broke down on stage in front of a whole bunch of pastors and leaders, which apparently then made a whole bunch of people cry. <laughs> but in that moment, I was like, I don't care. I want bigger faith. I want that kind of faith. I felt like in their presence, I was mucking around in my Christianity and it felt really, really crap. But in that moment, I felt God saying, ask, ask, ask and it will be given. I want more faith. I want more boldness. I want, I, I, I want what they have, God. I don't want lame Christianity. So I asked, and I believe God's still giving. I'm still working through that. I'm still leading into that, which leads me to the third thing that we need to do, which is to reflect and to slow down. We think God is a dispensing machine. I've come into your presence. I've asked. Thank you. No. Remember how we define biblical rest. We define biblical rest as coming to God, and stopping certain things that he's telling us to stop and starting or doing certain things that he's telling us to do, right? So in the in-between, what needs to happen is that we need to listen. We need to listen. And this listening is probably going to challenge how we live. And sometimes we think that rest is just this mindless doing nothing, but in the Bible, it is an involved, reflective evaluation of what we are doing so that we can stop the things that are draining us and start the things that will refresh us that God is telling us to do. But if we don't slow down enough, we won't hear it. I told you about that session I kept reflecting on that moment. It was still churning in me. And that night, sorry, God told, God's put on my heart that I need to chase certain people. I really felt that. Like, God put on my heart. It's like, you need to, there are certain people that are in your life that you need to chase. And I was like, oh, a bit awkward. They don't, we've not really been in contact. I don't really want to do that. There was one relationship in particular, this friend that um, I felt God say, you need to invite them to church every week. They're not coming to church, you need to invite them to church every week. I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I reflected on it. And God told me, come on, you want more faith? You want what that couple have got? They listen, and then they do. Which leads me to the fourth thing to obey see when I reflected I slowed down and I allowed God to speak to me even though what he was asking me to do was uncomfortable when I obeyed something happened 
So I'm meeting one of these friends who I've literally not spoken with for eight years. Not spoken to this guy for eight years. I'm meeting him on Thursday afternoon. I didn't know how it was going to go, but he said, it's so great to hear from you. We'll love to have a catch up. And I'm like, why do we draw conclusions on how things will happen based on how we think rather than how God wants to act? Why do we build scenarios and then get anxious about it when God's already said, I'm in this? It's because we don't slow down to reflect on what God is saying. God is saying, I want you to do this. I'm not worried about the outcome. If that guy never wants to meet up with you, is God any less pleased with me? In some part of me, I'm saying yes. And I'm like, how stupid am I to think that if I'm obeying God and this doesn't work out well, that God is upset with me? Why? Why do I think like that? And we have these expectations of, I need to be this kind of dad. I need to be this kind of husband. I need to do these kind of things. When God is saying, you obey me and watch me. My restedness comes from a place that I'm not striving in my own strength. I am striving in the power of the Lord. And he's saying that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. And that all things are possible through those who are living according to his will. And so come on, church. We need to enter God's presence. We need to ask. We need to reflect. And then we need to obey. And I lied. There is a fifth thing. But the fifth thing is easy. Repeat. And so what do we do? We enter God's presence, we ask, we reflect, and then we obey. And then what do we do after that? We enter God's presence, we ask, we reflect, and we obey. And then what do we do? We enter God's presence, we ask, we reflect, we obey. Why are we not rested? Is because maybe we've done that 30 years ago, but we stopped. Or maybe we even stopped three months ago. And we've already stopped drinking from the well. Where are you at? This morning, if we can get the band up. Like I said, simple message. God wants to meet with you. Daily. Every single moment in your car, on the drive home, in your workplace, in those difficult conversations, maybe those sleepless nights, God wants to be there. His presence, He promises to us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So what are we going to do? Are we just going to look at the well and go, hmm, a control over there looks really good. Are we going to go, you have life, Jesus, and I want that. I pray that you want that. So this morning, I want to give you a space to enter God's presence, to ask, and to reflect. I've tried to keep the message short, but I think I've failed somewhat. But can we stand? If you need to go, you go. 
Because I think that God wants to meet with people. And some of you need to probably draw from a little bit deeper because you haven't been to the well for a little while. And some of you need to enter God's presence and just stay in God's presence for a while. But some of you need to ask to allow yourself to be humble and weak and in that weakness go, God, I need, I need, I need. And some of us, have, as we hear from God, you need to slow down. Your mind's racing a thousand thoughts a minute about all the things that you need to do. And God's saying, peace. And say, just do these things and let go of these things. The obedience part probably comes after this moment, so we can't really practice that. But what you could do is to speak to someone that you know in this church and say, hey, God's asking me to do these things. Can you just hold me accountable to it? Are we going to practice entering to God's presence? Like I said, if you need to go, you go. If you want prayer, if you feel like God's really spoken something, and, but you're feeling a little bit like you wanted the encouragement of someone to stand with you, go for it. But I really feel like we need to press in in worship as a church together. So the band's going to lead us in these songs, and I want you to really lean in. And maybe mix things up. If your comfort level at worship is to have your hands down there, why not go a little bit higher? The reason for this is really powerful. It is a symbol of surrender, but it's also physically and psychologically, I've studied this, what it does is that you are making yourself physically vulnerable and your body and your mind hates it. Because we don't like to be vulnerable. But guess what? If you want to draw in from God, you be vulnerable. Even if your body and your mind are going, what are you doing, you idiot? No one wants to smell your armpits. And you say, shut up, because God wants me. And God loves me, whether I've got pit smells or not. And He wants me to draw close to Him. And I'm going to be more undignified than this because my God wants to meet with me. So come on, church. Why don't we begin to lift our hands? Why don't we begin to worship? Why don't we begin to enter into His presence? Why don't we begin to ask in our weakness, in our humility? And why don't we begin to listen and to reflect on what He is saying? Because God is here. God is here. And He's got life and life abundantly for you. Come on, team. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Live Church or on Facebook at Live Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.